Good morning. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Nice, nice to see some Christmas jumpers in the house, and John especially, your lights. Amazing. Love them. <laughs> well, welcome. My name's Darren, and it's my privilege today to welcome you to the second half of our theme on preparation, which Jonathan kicked off with last week. Preparation is so important, isn't it? There's the saying, people don't prepare to fail, but they often fail to prepare. At the moment, much of our preparation is focused on Christmas. Anyone here started their preparations for Christmas? Yeah, most of us have. So I know, uh, so Christmas I'll be spending around my mum's house and We've already started preparations, so I've already been up the loft, got her decorations down for her, not put them up yet. But with Christmas, a lot of preparation centers around food. So some of our preparation is going to be, how do you do Christmas dinner in an air fryer? That's going to be a major part of our preparation, so we're looking at YouTube videos and stuff about that. But preparations, um, obviously shopping, Christmas cards, Who are you going to see over Christmas? What festivities have you got planned? And as Lizzie's mentioned, we've got our carol service next week. So many of you will be thinking about coming to a carol service. And you should come to our one, definitely, if you haven't been before, or even if you have. I've been loads of times over the years, and they're very intimate. And Lizzie's preparing, as you can see, to make sure this is going to be a wonderful event, as it always is here at KCC. And as you come to carol services and various Christmas events over the festive period... One of the things that we're often reminded about is how the angel Gabriel came and visited Mary to inform her that she was going to experience a miracle birth. We often hear this at Christmas time, which is a great reminder of the birth of Jesus, our Lord. But Mary wasn't the first person that the angel Gabriel came to, to tell them that they were going to experience a miracle birth. Before Gabriel came to Mary he came and visited a guy called Zechariah. Now, Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. Now, there are a lot of parallels between Gabriel's visit to Zechariah and Gabriel's visit to Mary, as we'll look at. Well, Zechariah was a priest, and he was old, and his wife Elizabeth was old. They were past childbearing age. So it was a miracle that they could even have a child. See, to be childless in the culture of that time was a great shame and disgrace. It was like being cursed if your bloodline was going to be stopped. So it was a source of great shame to them to not have a child. So We are going to look today at how Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, prepared themselves to receive the miracle of God in their life. So today, we're going to be looking at what lessons can we learn from their example about how we can prepare for the plans and purposes of God to move in our lives in the here and now. So before we look at Zechariah and Elizabeth, and what we can learn from them. Let's just touch upon briefly 
John the Baptist. Because it's important that we, we're talking about preparation. John the Baptist, of course, came to prepare the way of the Lord. And his birth was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verse 3, A voice of one calling, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And when we think of John the Baptist, what do we think of? We, I know certainly for me, I always have this image of like a wild man living in the desert, dressed in camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey with a leather belt around his waist, as he's described in the Gospels. And he's a key figure in Scripture. He is mentioned in all of the Gospels, a massively significant figure. So he was a powerful speaker in his ministry. In fact, people thought he was the Christ. He was so powerful because the Scriptures tell us that he was filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. So as he was going around preaching the message of the Lord, people said, are you the Christ? And he was, well, no, I'm not. I'm not the Christ. He would say that I baptize you with water. There is one who comes after me. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. But John the Baptist knew his place was there to prepare the way. I mean, Jonathan last week mentioned when he was preaching from, from the book of John, John 1, that John the Baptist wasn't the light, but he came as a witness to the light. The light had not yet come, the light of the well-being Jesus. So he was a forerunner of, of Jesus' ministry. And the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus, I mean, so their mothers were cousins. So Elizabeth and Mary, Elizabeth, wife of Zechariah, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were cousins. And... Um, if we look at the first slide, please, Jane. What we've got here is a picture of... This is called the, the, the Virgin on the Rocks by Leonardo da Vinci. It's in the National Gallery in Trafalgar Square, painted around 1500. And it depicts Mary, an angel, and the two, the two young children there. On the left, we have John the Baptist. On the right, we have Jesus. I really want to focus on... On the two, on the two children, the two little kids there. We've got the baby Jesus, who's like putting a, a blessing on John the Baptist, who's slightly older, who's kind of kneeling and worshipping Jesus. When I look at that image, what strikes me is the power of the baby Jesus. We've already been singing this morning how you have the final say. Even from birth, he had the final say. It looks like, and I just like the way that, that, that's been captured in, the, in that image. And in, in, in the gospel, we, we hear how when Mary visited Elizabeth, the baby in her womb, which was John the Baptist, leapt for joy at Mary's greeting. It's like, it's like there was a, already a, a supernatural kind of connection even before birth by the Holy Spirit. So a, an interesting and, and quite powerful image when you see it up, up close. But today, we're going to be looking at um, the book of Luke. Uh, if we have uh, the next slide, please, Jane. So, thank you, Jane. Uh, so, we're going to be looking at the birth of John the Baptist, which was foretold. And we're going to be looking at here at the story of how the angel Gabriel came and visited Zechariah. So, I'm going to be starting at verse 5. And I'm reading from the NIV today. So the birth of John the Baptist foretold. 
In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So we're going to look a little bit closer at some of the details in this passage. And we're going to look at what it teaches us about how we can prepare ourselves for the plans and purposes of God in our life. So there are three um, main points I'm going to draw out from this. One is obedience. The second is prayer. And the third is faith. So obedience, prayer, and faith. So if we look at verse 6, where it says, Both Zechariah and Elizabeth were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Now, as I mentioned, Zechariah and Elizabeth were, were old. And it says here that they were barren, couldn't have children. And yet, they behaved uprightly in the sight of God and they observed all his commandments and regulations blamelessly. It's that word blamelessly. So they were very devout and obedient to God. And what struck me about that is when you've gone through life, hoping for something, waiting for something, praying for something, 
and it hasn't happened, how easy is it for us to get bitter about that? Anyone ever been there? God, where are you? Why haven't you heard my prayer? Why is everyone else around me getting blessed and I'm not? They were getting older. They are probably having, seeing younger couples having children. Their peers have all had kids. And they, they've been left behind. It can feel like that, can't it? God, where's my blessing? Where are you? Have, you? have you abandoned me? And yet, their attitude wasn't like that. They weren't bitter. They continued to obey the Lord. They continued to be humble and soft-hearted before him. They didn't harden their hearts against the Lord. That really struck me as an example of what it means to be obedient. And of course, the Lord says in John that if you love me, you will obey my commandments. As children of God, children, good children obey their parents. And if we are to be good children of God, we are to obey, obey him and obey his word. In James, it says, do not be a, just a hearer of the word, but do what it says. And there is a blessing that comes with obedience. James 4, 7, James writes, Submit then to God. Submit then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Sometimes you hear, you hear that quoted, just resist the devil and he will flee from you. But it's important what comes before that. Submit then to God. What does that mean for us? Well, humble ourselves before the word. Do what it says. Even though we can't see or feel any blessing attached to it, you may, you may have to wait years for it. As Zechariah and Elizabeth had to wait years, but the promises of God are true. And we have to stand on those promises. So if there's anyone here who's maybe feels that they're waiting for a breakthrough, just, just look to this as an encouragement. Because the breakthrough did come for Zechariah and Elizabeth in God's perfect time and in God's perfect way. So obedience is certainly a way that we can prepare ourselves to experience more of God in our lives. And the second point, prayer. In verse 13, it says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. So this tells us that Zechariah has been praying. His prayer has been heard. So he has been praying. And, it said, and we know what he's been praying for. He's been praying for a child. And Gabriel has come and said to him, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and will bear you a son. So he's, he's received a promise there. His prayer has been, he's been answered. He is going to receive a son. You know, prayer is, is it's the foundation of, of our relationship with God. It's, prayer doesn't have to be a big complicated thing. It's talking to God. Any relationship is only as good as the strength of its communication. Remember Gerard Cooper once said, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. So important. Jesus himself made time to pray. He would go out and spend time alone to pray. And if he did that, then who are we to think that we don't have to do that ourselves? The word himself prayed, and as, as must we, so prayer is an essential part of our lives. And of course, that links onto faith. In verse 18, 
Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Isn't it strange that how, when Zechariah gets the miracle he's been praying for, hoping for, longing for, an angel comes to him, tells him what he's been waiting to hear, and then doesn't believe it. Has that ever happened to, to, to any of you? I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, oh, wow, this seems too good to be true. You hear that saying, don't you? If something seems too good to be true, then yeah, it's too good to be true. But not with God. Not with our supernatural God. There's a God of the impossible. But when it came to the crunch, Zechariah doubted. And there was a consequence to his doubt. If we could have the next slide, please, Jane. One of my childhood favorites, Zippy from Rainbow. Who remembers Zippy? Yeah, great. I'm not the only one. Zippy, yeah, as you may recall, he, you know, he got into trouble, he misbehaved. What would they do? They would just zip him up. Here for Zechariah, his lack of faith had a consequence. The angel said to him, in verse 20, and now you will be silent and not be able to speak until this, until the day this happens. That's the day of John's birth, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. So as a result of Zechariah's lack of faith in that moment, he was silenced. How often does our doubt silence us? When things don't go the way we want, maybe we, we hear something that's too good to be true, but we can't believe it because, oh, well, God, I've been praying for this, now, and here it is, and now I can't believe it. We can undermine ourselves. We can use our own logic and our own reason, and we kind of put our own reasoning above God's. And that causes us to doubt. And the consequence of doubt in this case for Zechariah was he was silenced. What do you think that did to his faith, though? He lacked faith. But when he, when he was silenced, what effect do you think that had on his faith? I think that grew his faith massively because he could see straight away, Gabriel said to him, you're going to be silenced, and he was silenced. He came out of the temple of the Lord, unable to speak. The people there saw that he was unable to speak. What effect do you think that had on their faith? They see a priest going into the temple, comes out unable to speak, and he's making signs to explain what's happened. They probably would have been quite frightened. Wow, what's happened to him? But at the same time, they would have been awestruck at the power of God and what, and what was happening. Let's think of that in, in, in the context here, in the here and now. Let's look at Colin here. He's writing studiously away in the front row. Colin, I don't mean to pick on you. or in, Well, actually, no, I do mean to embarrass you a little bit, but that's okay, isn't it? So Colin, as many of us will know, is a real prayer warrior. Got a heart for prayer. When I, when I sort of want to chat to someone about prayer, he's like my go-to guy because he really has a heart for prayer. If I'm right, Colin, you actually keep lists, don't you? You've got a notice board where you keep lists of, of, of things to pray for, which is a great example. Uh, and let's imagine now Colin, who, who we know is a man, of, a man who loves to pray. Let's imagine if Colin went into a quiet room somewhere. He came out and he was unable to speak. And he wrote down on some paper explaining what had happened, that an angel had come to him and promised him a miracle and so forth. What would that do to us? What effect would that have on us? 
we'd be, we'd be shocked and we'd be startled, we'd be, we'd be frightened, but we'd also be in awe of what, of what had happened to Colin. And then at the proper time, when Colin's able to speak and his lips are loosened, we'd be praising God. We'd be like, wow, what, what, what power have we experienced in our midst? And when Zechariah's lips were loosened when, on the day of John's birth, he did sing a song of praise to the Lord. So the, so the faith of everyone who lacked it, they didn't, if, if Zechariah didn't believe it when Gabriel came, he certainly believed it when he was silenced, I believe. And I believe there would have been joy in his heart because he knows that, wow, this is proof that, that my son is coming, that John is coming. It's further proof if I didn't believe what the angel had said. So, you know, in Hebrews 11, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to, to please God without faith. Faith being confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do, about what we do not see. But despite all of that, of course, God knew how Zechariah was going to react, but he planned, he planned this. Like when Zechariah, he, he arranged it so that Zechariah would have a one-to-one encounter with Gabriel in the temple. Because it says, says here that he was chosen by, in verse nine, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. So it was no coincidence that of all the priests who were there, Zechariah was the one who was chosen to go into the temple. Of course, the Lord was going to meet with him there. So it was no coincidence. God, God had every detail planned. God is really in, in the detail, created this situation for Zechariah to have this appointment and to receive the blessing which he then doubted when he received it. It ended up like Zippy for a while until his lips were, were open on the day of John's birth. And if we contrast that with Mary's response, we're going to read now um, from um, verse 26 to 38, still of, of uh, Luke chapter 1 where we, we're going to just look at quickly about how the angel came to Mary and how Mary responded to Gabriel's uh, promise of the miracle. So the birth of Jesus foretold from verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Love, love the verse 37. For nothing is, Gabriel says, nothing is impossible with God. 
for nothing is impossible with God. God is not a man that he should lie. The word says that. So as I say, if you're waiting for this miracle, you're waiting for a breakthrough, remember, nothing is impossible with God. One of those those verses that we can really stand on and declare, you know, when we are filled with doubt, sometimes, as I say, our doubt can silence us, can make us like zippy. But if we open our mouths and we're bold and we declare the promises of God over our life, it makes a difference. And we have the word here, we have the truth. Nothing is impossible with God. What impossible situation are you facing right now? What is it you need from the, from the Lord? Talk to him, pray, tell him, cry out to him. Open. We, we have the gift of a God who's available 24-7, never slumbers or sleeps, cares passionately about every detail of our lives, and nothing is impossible for him. And of course, Mary asks the question here, in a similar vein to kind of, kind of how Zechariah sort of said, well, you know, I'm old and my wife's old and so forth. She said, well, well, how will this be since I'm a virgin? But I believe that, so you, you, you might think, well, Mary asked the question, so did Zechariah. How come Zechariah was silenced and, and Mary wasn't? I believe the Lord, you know, sees the hearts. And, you know, Zechariah was a priest. He was a priest, so in theory, he should have known better than, than Mary. That Mary, who was just a young, a young virgin, you would think a priest should know more and be more devout and be more, and have more faith, as it were. But no, actually, it wasn't the case, was it? Mary said in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Are we able to respond like that when we hear from God? Sometimes it can be challenging. When we hear from the Lord, maybe directing us, telling us, leading us into a particular path that we don't understand, or we might think is, well, no, that's not right for me. But when God speaks, we listen. And, and are we able to respond the way Mary did? That's a challenge to us, a challenge to all of us. I'm going to uh, invite uh, our great band today. Claire and Sarah, to uh, to lead us into a closing song. But as we consider the aspects of obedience, prayer and faith, let's let's see what, what, what the challenge for each of us is. How can we be more obedient? How can we pray more? How can we develop our faith muscle more? By doing these things, I do believe that we are posturing our hearts to receive more of the Lord in our lives. And we don't have time this morning to look into the ministry of John the Baptist, but if you, I'd encourage you to read the Gospels and discover him anew if, if, if you've not been, if it's been a while since you've read about him. I'm just going to close in prayer before I, um, I hand over to the band. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of Zechariah, Elizabeth and Mary and for what their example teaches us, Lord, about how we can prepare ourselves to experience more of you in our lives. Lord, thank you for for the way Zechariah and Elizabeth were obedient to you. Lord, even in difficult times, Lord, they, they carried themselves they were blameless and they were upright. Lord, I pray we would 
we would be able to say the same things, Lord, with, with your with your help, Lord, with the guidance of your spirit, Lord, that we wouldn't be hard-hearted or bitter, Lord, that we would remain humble and soft-hearted before you, Lord, that we would be obedient to your commands, obedient to your word, Lord, that we would grow in faith, Lord, the faith will move mountains, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for for John the Baptist, Lord, for his ministry. He prepared the way for you, Lord Jesus, because you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, Lord. And Lord Jesus, you prepared the way for us, Father, that we might have eternity with you. So, Lord, we give you glory. And as we enter this Christmas season, Lord, and we prepare for Christmas, Lord, I pray that we would keep you at the center of all our preparations. And we give you glory in your holy, precious name. Amen.